Boy, that name put a holy hush in the room, didn't it? It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, I used to have a friend that had poor health, and uh, she struggled with her weight her whole life, and just poor health, and she tried all, all kinds of things to lose weight and struggled, and her blood pressure would get high, and she would just lie on the couch, and she would just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Just say his name over and over again, and her blood pressure would come down, and she would relax, and oh, I learned so much from Rooney Whitaker, who discipled your pastor, spoon-fed me like a little baby, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? What a beautiful woman. She's in heaven, and I thank God for her, and I wonder where I'd be today without her. So speak the name of Jesus. Amen? Y'all find 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, and as we kind of making our way through this book right here, and I, uh, uh, if you're a guest with us today, um, pastor's expository preacher, I get a book and I go from verse 1 to the end. We just keep going through till we get there. Sometimes I get through with a message and sometimes I don't. So uh, just hang on and I'll try to keep it as organized as I can. Last week was one of those great times that we looked at the first point in this message. What we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let me just remind you, the, the Lord through Paul the Apostles reminding his people, here's some examples of what God's people did they saw all the wonderful things that I did for them, and they failed. They didn't go into the promised land. They disobeyed God. And so uh, there, there are some things that they, they did. The, the first, uh, you'll see as Mike pops up our outline here in a minute, the four groups that missed revival. Last week, we made it through the blessed but unthankful. They saw everything that God did for them. And, and in that first part we talked about last week, God gave them guidance. He brought them out of Egypt. Uh, they saw everything that happened to the Egyptians when they came out. God gave them gold. He gave them leadership through Moses. He gave them protection. They had a pillar of uh, a cloud and fire over them as he went through the desert. God provided for them. He gave them provisions, gave them shelter. Uh, he gave them uh, the shelter of the nations. The most blessed people on the planet in that day died in the wilderness. And I'm afraid that that's where we are as a country and as a New Testament church. And so uh, we're going to slip right on into the second group here. Let's, let's read and you'll see what I mean. Verse number one, he says, this was last week. Now I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses, which just means they submitted to his leadership. So they had protection. They had provisions. They saw everything that God did when they came out of Egypt. God gave them a leader to lead them out, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and they drank from the same spiritual drink. He's referring to Jesus himself right there. So anytime I get discouraged uh, or other pastors get discouraged, I say, man, uh, the children of Israel had Jesus leading them. He was there. He went before them, and, and he brought up the, the end of the line and protected them on the front and in the back, and they still wouldn't follow him, so don't feel bad. You just do what God's called you to do and keep plowing, brother. Uh, they, they drank from that spiritual rock which, that was Christ, he says here. But here we come to our passage this morning. He says, but, but God was not pleased with most of them, for they were struck down in the wilderness. Now, these things are examples for us, and so we take that to be exactly what it is. The pastor's preaching that this morning so that it'll be an example to us so that we don't make the same mistakes. So, uh, have you been blessed today? Yes, and so we, I, I mean, every word last week was 
We've been blessed. We've been blessed. We've been blessed. Be thankful. Be thankful. If you're not thankful, God will take those blessings away from you. I don't want to miss the revival, and I surely don't want to miss heaven. And so I'm going I'm going, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow. And then I don't want to be rebellious. Don't be rebellious. He said they became idolaters. That's what happens. Then you rebel, you become an idolater, as some of them were. The people sat down to eat and drink. They got up to play. They got up in riotous living. Let us not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people fell dead. Let us not test Christ, as some of them did. And they were destroyed by snakes. And nor should we complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. And so here we, we have these four things that they did. And I want to make sure that we just don't do this. Uh, the second thing that we're going to look at is rebellion without faith. It says here that God was not pleased with most of them. And that, that's going to be a unique point here in just a moment. But, but many, most of them just really did not please the Lord with their faith. And I deal with this, have dealt with it in ministry for the last 40 years, that God would take a group of people and bless them over and over and over and over again and bless a church, bless a ministry, do so many wonderful and godly things before the people, see things you know could never have happened except that God do it, and then he come to a little stumbling block, and then all of a sudden the church loses its faith. The people lose their faith. You lose your faith. You say, well, God has left us. Well, no, if you think God's left, you go to find out why, because he's not left you, you may be out of God's will. But God's provisions are always good. In Numbers chapter 14, we see what's happened. Now, I want you to think about this. I'm going to make some things very real to you today. I'm going to pinpoint it right out and show you and make a comparison to where we are today. We learned what they did. These poor people, Just, I want you to think of all the plagues that they saw that God did to Egypt, how they cropped them. This is the group that passed through the Red Sea. This is a group that's been fed with manna. I, I did the uh, quartermaster general uh, from the army looked, and I, I told you all those statistics and uh, how much wood they would have burned, how many tons, how much uh, uh, wood they would have burned every day to cook with, how much water it took to take care of them, how much food it took care of them. Two-thirds of the state of Rhode Island moving around in the desert, and God took care of them for 40 years, and this group comes to the promised land that's seen every bit of this, there's giants there, we can't make it. And they lost their faith. And so here we are, the night, all the people of the community, they raised their voices and they wept aloud, and the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Why did God bring us to this land only to let us fall by the sword, our wives and our children, they will be taken plunder. Wouldn't it be better if we go back to Egypt? And some of you are in the same place. You've served the Lord for many years, and then all of a sudden, you come up to some trial, some difficulty. The church grows and grows and grows, and then it comes to this one little bitty thing, and then we just can't get past that because the people just can't grow past it. They lose their faith, and they say, you know, why, why did we get brought out here to be, you know, you've, the Lord's just going to make a fool out of us. He brought us out here, brought us all this way, and now look at us. Here, here we are, and the people grumbled. And we're going to get to that in a minute. I've got a whole section just for that when we get there because some Baptists I know think that's their spiritual gift. That's all they know how to do is complain and whine. And it makes me nauseous. And they never, they never recognize what God has done 
But there's always something to complain about. Have you ever had somebody bring you lunch? Just out of nowhere, say, oh, I brought you lunch today, man. Hey, here's lunch. And they pull it out of the sack. They say, oh, great. You got pickles on it? Can I tell you, if I ever bring you lunch and you say, you put pickles on it, I'm going to take it and eat it myself. <laughs> Just take the pickles off of it. Y'all all right? Have you ever seen somebody get free lunch and then complain about the free lunch? I've seen that. I've seen it. Unbelievable. Here's what happened to me yesterday. I went to Bojangles yesterday. It was holy, holy, holy up in there too. And the lady behind the counter, the manager's working, and I mean they were packed out. Okay, it's football Saturday, place is packed out. There were so many rude people in there, rude people, I can't even I came tell you. And so I, it was so many rude people at the counter, I just kind of went to the back of the store, they got my name, and I sat down. And I'm watching the manager. It's the godliest woman in America. She was patient. She was kind. She, here's what happened. When people had their order messed up or something like that, she'd come out from behind the counter and go out and just talk to them face-to-face, fix it, find out, go back, take care of it, and come back. And I sat there and watched her. I mean, it was like 15 minutes before my stuff got ready. I was sitting there watching. I thought, there's three people that have already been through here that I would have pinched their head off. All right? I have never seen a woman that godly in my life. She had the patience of Job. And here's what I did. They called my name, and then I went up, and I told the girl, I says, can you tell your manager to come in for a minute? And I know what she was thinking. Oh, no, here's another one. <laughs> and she came up, and I took her hand. And I says, I want to tell you something. I want to ask you a question. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? She said, oh, I love my Jesus. And I said, I want to tell you something. I see him all over you. And I did something I don't never know I've ever done in my entire life. I kissed a total stranger's hand. And I said, I love you. You are awesome. A girl standing next to me had no clue who she was. She said, I was sitting here thinking the same thing. She said, I didn't have the courage to say it, but I saw Jesus all over her. And she said, when you got the anointing, you got the anointing. I thought, we fought. I said, well, we are in Bojangles. You know, come on. So I said, hey, girl, come on. I don't tell you. I, wouldn't have, I was so embarrassed for myself. I thought, I would have never had that kind of patience. But, man, I'm telling you, this girl, she wasn't complaining about anything. You know what she could have said? And I know what's going on behind the counter. I know what's going on behind the counter. They didn't give her enough workers. She's there. She's got, like, three people there. And I'm telling they're just doing the best they possibly can because nobody wants to work anymore. And, you know, and here I was sitting back there, and I was sitting back there praying for her. And in my 15 minutes, guess what I did? The worst of all things, I left my phone at home. So I couldn't sit there and do stupid stuff. So you know what I did? I sat there and prayed for 20 minutes. 20 minutes I prayed for you in this morning while I was sitting there. What good use of my time? No sense in complaining and whining and moaning and groaning. Just, just make the best of everything. And I just thought, Lord, God bless this woman. I pray you make all grace abound to her. She's been such an example to me today, and I'm going to praise her for it. And so I did. And so here's God's people who've literally walked through the Red Sea. They've come out. They've seen all these plagues. And then now all of a sudden God has lost his power and his strength and I want to I want to promise you this today listen very carefully to me the thing that you're afraid of that's causing your disobedience if you don't trust in the Lord is exactly what's going to happen to you did you bring us out here to die in the desert that's exactly what's going to happen to you if you're afraid of God that's what happened to them they lost their faith they didn't go in and that group of people all of them 
except for the youngest ones died and God raised up a whole new group of people. I want to be the group of people that go in. And there were two people there, Joshua and Caleb said, man, we can take this thing. We can do it. He says, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land that's flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people in the land because the Lord is with us. You see that? Rebellious and without faith. And this is not just something that can, and this can happen at any time to any of us that we get to the place where we lose our faith. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. This is the man that God called to lead them out, brought them out. They've seen this man stand. Oh, I was going to tell you if, you, if I stand before Strom Thurmond Lake and I part the water and y'all don't go with me after that, I'm going to be upset with you. I was going to tell you. Part the Red Sea. And then you go up and think, well, it's going to be muddy. <laughs> that was the Baptist, you know, it's going to be muddy. <laughs> No, it's dry. I take you across and it's dry, and then you still won't follow? God's hand's on the man. Y'all all right? And then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? Rebellious without faith. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, it says, When you were but few, even only a few, and strangers in it, and when they went from nation to nation and from kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Do not touch mine anointed, and do not my prophets no harm. Can I just tell you something? If you're in a place where you're not happy, don't attack the man of God. He may be out of God's will, leave him be. You go somewhere else. Don't mess with him. King David said the same thing. David saw this passage. David put in Psalm 105 when Saul was trying to kill him. But because he was God's anointed, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. And Psalm 105 says, saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Repeated it right there. David said, I'll let God deal with Saul. I'm going to keep my heart right with God. You okay? Learn this lesson. We have never failed beyond God. Uh, for, from God because his supplies he did not give us. God provided everything that we possibly needed. There are times in people's lives when they have, they have no faith whatsoever, but they're enjoying the faith of other people. You are seated right now in the blessings of somebody else's money. You, you heard music this morning from somebody else's gift. Y'all all right? Dr. Rogers used to say, if you're blessed today, somebody sacrificed years ago for you. And it's our job to sacrifice for the next generation. Y'all all right? So when people come in to join us, we have to treat them like they're here to sacrifice for the next generation. Y'all come on. And listen to this. This is a very unique word. It says, God was not pleased with them. This is two words put together for this little, this little Greek word. You dokeo, you dokeo. This is so cool. I couldn't wait to share it. I couldn't wait to share it with you. Y you know that the word eu in the original language always goes with the word good in scripture. So eulogia is another word that has eu on the front of it. Eulogia. Eu is good, and logia comes from logos. Y'all know what the word logos means, right? It's the word for word. Good word. You know what? A, you know what a eulogy is. You get up and 
and say good things about the person that passed away. That's what a eulogy is. And then the pastor comes, we sing a song, and then the pastor comes and preaches the message. You do the eulogy. Well, here, Paul says, the Lord says, these people did not please the Lord. And the word for dokia here, good dokia, good account. It means reputation. And Paul, listen, this is so good. Right? Listen, Paul says, the Lord couldn't say anything good about them. The country boy puts it this way. Y'all, uh, young people, you'll understand this. You bring this boy home, and he wants a date. And your daddy said, that's Mr. Jones's boy. He ain't no count. Y'all know that? Y'all country people know that. Say, he ain't no count. That's the worst thing your daddy can say about the guy you want to go out with. He ain't no count. It means it's, it's eudokia in the original language. It's, he ain't no account. God says, I cannot find one thing good to say about these people. And therefore, because I can't see anything good about them, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cast them down, and they were strewn. They were scattered all over the desert because of their disobedience and their lack of faith that was caused by God scattering them. The, the scattering of death is what I call it. You remember I told you this is a group of people that are moving around in the desert that when they settled, they settled in a place that was two-thirds the size of Rhode Island. We're talking about a lot of people. And he says that 23,000 of them died in one day. He just wants them to believe. Was what they saw when they left Egypt not good enough to trust in the Lord? Christian, let me ask you this morning, and, and I ask you with all the passion that I can because God's asked me, Jerry, is what I've done in your life not good enough for you to trust me today? I brought you to here, didn't I not? I've had provisions. I've had protection. Do I look like I missed any meals? It's been good. Y'all all right? We, I, I, how glad that we should be that when we're saved, we don't have to understand everything. We don't have to convey these truths and explain everything theologically. We just believe. That's why God says you're saved by faith. What if only people with an IQ of 130 could get saved? There'd be a bunch of us in trouble. What if only beautiful and handsome people got saved? Some of us would likewise. What if only big, fat people like me got saved? What if only skinny people got saved? No, that's not the requirement. The requirement for salvation is faith in what the Lord Jesus has told you about salvation. And here our babies come to us, and, they, and some of our babies recently have given their life to Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, it's just as sweet as it possibly could be. One of them says, well, why do you want to be baptized, baby? She said, because I don't want to go live at the devil's house. I want Jesus in my heart. Let me tell you something. That's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You all right? You see, we don't have to understand everything. and just trust Jesus. Can I say it this way? You can put a bag on your head and tie it up and follow Jesus by faith till he comes to get you. Don't be rebellious. Don't be without faith. One of my babies says, I want Jesus in my heart, and I never want him to leave. Come on. So you can't explain everything. They just believe unto salvation. It's grace through faith. I, I, I love the old fellow. 
who talks about this, Williams Jennings Brown. And he says, thank goodness we don't have to understand everything. He said, you take a brown seed, you put it in black soil, you get a green shoot that comes up, and you pull up this red root and you cut it open, and inside's a white radish. Can anybody explain that to me? Now, I wouldn't eat the radish, but some of y'all do eat the radish. You just, you go ahead and eat it. But I do love this. You take a brown cow, he eats green grass, you get white milk, and you get yellow butter. You don't have to explain that and understand it in order to drink milk. Now, about 10 o'clock at night, I get a cold glass of milk and some, some Oreo cookies. I don't need any explanation. I don't need any theology, and I don't need anybody to help me with that. I got that covered, see? I'm all right. I should have got a big amen right there. I love that. So They were scattered and thrown down because of their pompousness, and here's where they ended up. They ended up in the Aramos. They ended up in the desert. And I'm talking to some folks right now on, on the Internet. They're, they're watching in, but they're in the desert because they won't come to church anymore because they're still all COVID out, see? They, they wimped out on Jesus is what they did. And you know what? You're either going to get it or you're not going to get it. And I'm honest with you, I don't know anybody that hadn't got it. So you just need to come on back to church and get right with Jesus and quit using it for an excuse. And come on, get out of the desert. But you're dry. And here's what happened to you. You followed along the steps of God's people. You got out from under your leadership. You quit coming to church. And the Lord says, I blessed you. And now you've gotten rebellious. You've lost your faith. And the progression is going to keep going down until we get to number three. And that's where we are now, verses six through nine. You see, you have a dry spiritual life now, and you're on the verge of death. How about the people without faith that are rebellious? These folks end up in the wilderness. And the next place you go after you get in the wilderness is immorality. And so the culture will pull you in. People that are unthankful, faithless, and rebellious find themselves right here. What we need today is a good dose of the fear of the Lord. You cannot live immoral without the Lord. If you belong to him, he's going to take you to the woodshed. I've been in the woodshed. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we read where David's sin was there, and and we learn that David did not know that he would shout from the rooftops the the sin that he had hidden. It's going to come out, and it will catch up with you. Verse 6 tells us not to set our hearts on wicked things. The word that's used here for lust or immorality and those things is the, is the most serious word in the New Testament, epithumia, that you can use for the word lust. I call these bondage sins. In Psalm 101, verse, thir- uh, verse 3, it says, I will set before mine eyes no wicked thing. You're going to be in the desert. You want to know why you're dry spiritually today? Because you're watching things, looking at things, reading things, and wasting your time with the culture, and the Word of God is right there for you all of the time. And and you're just spinning your life. You're spinning your wheels out in the desert, and you think, I'm so dry, I'm just crying out for Jesus. And here's what's happened to you. Paul gives us this example in Ephesians 4 and 17 and following. This is the greatest description of what happened to us. Paul says, I tell you this, I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. The culture is futile in their thinking. They're ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. You know the truth. You have the knowledge of God. And he says they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. They're in the desert. It says that while they're totally depraved, they're crying out to you saying, come join us. We're sinking in this ship out here. 
We have no life preservers. We're all dying. Hey, come join us. We're having a party. No, you stay right where you are. He says they're, they're, they're futile. They're ignorant in their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. There's some people that are listening to me this morning. They're listening. They'll be all over the world listening to the podcast, and they'll listen, and they'll push it off because they have calloused hearts. Can't get through. The message won't get through. And every time you hear the truth of the Word of God and you reject it, there's another little layer. And the heart gets harder and harder and harder. And here's what happens. If there's one sin of the modern American Christian, this is it right here. And he says, they've lost all sensitivity. The things that used to bug you, the people at work that used to curse and take God's name in vain, you don't even hear it anymore. The nudity on the television that used to protect your kids from, don't even bother you anymore. It's just natural, everyday stuff. The perverseness is out there that fills our hearts and our minds, and it's just there everywhere we go, and we don't even pay any attention anymore. You know, I remember back when, and I love this as an illustration because this happened to me. I remember this when that MMA fighting came out. And I saw it for the first time. These guys are kicking each other in the face and busting each other's faces, and they're fighting with bare fists, and, and, and anything went at that time. They have some more rules now. But I remember walking, and I was seeing it on the TV, and I thought, that is the most disgusting thing. That is violent, it's brutal, and there's no sense in it. And then about six months later, I was working outside, and I walked through the, the living room, going through the house to get some tools out of the shed, and uh, I walked through, and it was on the television. I wasn't even in the house. And I walked by the television, and I saw what was going on, and I just kept right on walking. And I went outside, and by the time I got to the back door, the Holy Spirit said, hey, that used to make you sick. Why didn't you stop and just turn it off? So I got used to it. Sensitive, we lost all sensitivity, and they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. I love that passage. You see, you can't satisfy that. The only thing, only thing that satisfies the heart is Jesus. And so here in verse 7, it talks about their idolatry. They sat down and then they rose up to play. The word for play here in the Greek means to sport or to play. The sin of the people was progressed straight into idolatry. Uh, America could be so blessed to not be idol worshipers. America is a land of idol worshipers. We are the idol worshipers of Laodicea, and the Lord has told us, he says, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, and I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. And I told you, and I still pray for her, but I shared Jesus with a young lady at, at Home Depot, and she says, what do I need church for? And it broke my heart. I almost couldn't preach the Sunday after that. And I knelt here at that altar that Sunday and asked God to bless her. And every time I go to Home Depot, guess where I go? I go to the garden shop because I want to see if she's there. And I've learned her name, and I pray for her. And I'm going to see her again. I'm going to keep going until I run into her again. And I'm going to say, I've been praying that God would make you miserable. Do you need Jesus now? All right. How many Baptists do you know that have done this? They sat down. They're lazy. They're just sitting at home. I know they're there because I, say, I see them. I say, hey, where have you been? Just been lazy, Pastor. They, I'm just, and I appreciate the honesty. So I just, you know, I'm just lazy. I mean, no, you spent too much time last night doing something you shouldn't be doing this morning. You're too tired to come into church. That's what it's all about because you're living in the culture. 
They ate, they drank, they took care of the physical needs, and they got up to play and to party. What kind of testimony is that? Your neighbors know better than that. And listen, after everything they've seen, Exodus 32, and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Today is a feast to the Lord. He made a calf. It says, And they rose up early in the morning, and they offered burnt offerings, and they brought peace offerings, and the people sat down, they ate and drank, and they rose up to play. Now listen. And the Lord said to Moses, Better go on back down. The people are partying, and they're worshiping idols. They've corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way when I commanded them. They, they've made them a, a, a molten calf, and they've worshiped it. Let me make it clear and powerful and connect this to you this morning. Verse 8 would be congruent with you right now as a believer telling someone that Buddha saved you. How could a believer in Jesus Christ come to the place where they say, you know, I'm just going to forsake my God. I got out of the way and I've partied a little bit and I enjoy this physical partying. And the word for sexual immorality right here is the word pornuo. It's the word for pornography. It's the word for sexual immorality. It means to play. And this is what I call bondage sins. We have to stay away from these types of bondage sins. And listen to me. I don't want to be, and I'm glad that, you know, this is tough. But let me, let me just, I'm going to make this connection for you. If I'm correct, and I really think I am, I believe that the people participated in adulterous and pagan sexual immorality in the worship service as they worshiped that golden calf. When Moses came back down with the Ten Commandments, they had already broken all Ten Commandments. And here's what I believe. They literally had a wife and husband swap, open immorality in a worship service to a calf while Moses was on the mountain, covered by the Shekinah glory of God, receiving the Ten Commandments. These sins are very difficult. That's why it's so wicked. That's why Paul says, listen, you say, are we like that? Listen to me. I've had men counsel with me who were addicted to lots of things. And here's what they would say. Pastor, I have never felt spiritually alive like this physical pleasure of immorality makes me. This does something to my body that the, just reading my Bible won't do. Now, there's more, there's more there than I can pack, unpack at this moment because I'm going to keep moving. But let me say this for the time being. The physical response that you're getting from your sin is a lie. It will not last and it will take you into bondage that you will never be able to get out. It'll cost you your job. It'll cost you your family. And I know it will because someone I know just recently died. Had a great job, a great family, great children, and got addicted to meth. And it took them down, 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 down. And they just passed away. One of my sheep. Paul says that you are not, in 1 Corinthians 6, you're not created for immorality. God did not create you for immorality. Now, here's where we are so far. Here's the sins they committed. Lust, worshiping idols, fornication. They tempted God. They complained, lost faith, blasphemed in, in worship, literally broke all ten commandments. 
And in one day, 23,000 people fell dead as a punishment. Uh, you know, I just always wondered one Sunday morning if, can I ask you a question? If snakes broke out at Woodlake Baptist Church, can I ask you a question? Would you get bit? But I tell you what, when people start sinning, if the snake started biting, that'd, that'd curb it, wouldn't it? <laughs> and one of the greatest pictures of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament came from that story. The Lord said, take a serpent, put it on a pole, and tell the people to look at the pole. You know what it represented? Look to Jesus, look to Jesus. And there were still people that would not look at the pole. Why would 23,000 people die when the Lord said, all you got to do is look to the pole, and you can be, see, they didn't believe, had no faith. And then this last group, oh, my favorite people. Verse 9 and 10, let us not test Christ as some of them did, and they were destroyed by snakes, nor should we complain as some of them did, and they were killed by the destroyer. Whew. These things happen as examples for us, warning us on whom the ends of the ages has come. Listen, that's important. We're going to get to that in just a second. I'm landing the plane. Y'all hang on. They traveled from Mount Or along the route of the Red Sea. They came to Edom, and they began. They spoke against Moses. They spoke against Aaron. And then they said, and we detest this miserable food. Wow. Wow. God fed these people meat. They complained about the manna that fell and then God they, we want meat and the Lord had quail come they had meat they had everything they wanted if you had seen the miracles that God did among this people could, could you say such a thing if you saw God's provisions thousands of pounds of meat thousands of gallons of water and then we complain I want to tell you there were some backslidden Baptists in that desert that day have you ever noticed this about soul winners they don't complain See, if we were busy as much as we complain, leading people to Christ, you wouldn't have so many problems as you have. Just lead, leading people to Jesus is fun, man. Talking to people about Christ. And, and this is an onomatopoetic word. It's the Greek word gaguzo or gaguzmon. It's a word like sizzle or, you know, buzz. The word is, it sounds like what it is. It's onomatopoetic. This is gaguzmon. Y'all know what gaguzmon is? You know what murmuring is? murmuring it is sounds like what it is uh, could you possibly get your socks and your plate out of the living room and put them in the kitchen and then the husband gets up and he goes off like this I wish that woman would come and tell me I'll tell you what's that I, don't know, I ain't got to put up with this stuff right here I don't know if anybody gets this stuff and he goes in the kitchen and he's doing what's he doing the whole time he's going he's murmuring what honey I love you baby <laughs> He stops the murmuring then. See, that's murmuring. The people were murmuring. If y'all come into a room and everybody's murmuring, when you walk in, they stop talking? They were talking about you. <laughs> They're talking about you. The complainers and the moaners didn't go into the promised land. I'll give you one liner. Pastor loves to give you one liners. You're never more unlike Jesus than when you're complaining. Because you don't deserve what you got now. I came into the sanctuary one Sunday morning. 
this is the funnest thing, by the way, that's ever happened to me in ministry. Came into sanctuary one morning. I came in the back like I normally do, and I try to shake as many of y'all's hands and see you face-to-face and touch my sheep, touch as many of them as I can. These two ladies were sitting in front of me, and, buddy, they had the bulletin out. I was standing right behind them, and they were tearing us up. I mean, they were tearing up the church. They were tearing up the staff. They were tearing up the deacons. Um, If you weren't on the list, I don't know how you missed it. I mean, they were just wearing everybody out. And I just stood there and listened for a while because when people are doing that, it lets me know who they really are. And then I found out what they thought about me. This was a great blessing. And they looked back and saw me. They both almost swallowed the dentures. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, and I said, good morning. And then they went into holy talk. Y'all know that? It's like when I'm playing golf with somebody and they, somebody picks up with us and they're cussing a blue streak. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Well, praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> I go to Mount Cussadog up there. You ought to be up there to see it sometimes. I love it. <laughs> you, know, you know what they were so upset about? In 18 years, I've never taken a staff on but one retreat. One, one spiritual retreat, a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday. We were coming back Saturday. I wanted to plan for the whole year. The church, we had gotten here, and we kind of grown a little stagnant. And I wanted to go for a spiritual time with my staff. It was, just, it was just three of us, four of us, and we wanted to go. And boy, they was just tearing us up. Well, who's going to pay for that? And why would they want to do that? Can I ask you a question? Wouldn't you want want your pastor to grow his staff spiritually? I mean, come on, really? I mean, that? See, that that reveals something else other than in their heart. It wasn't about the retreat. It wasn't about what they did or didn't like. And then God sent snakes among the people. Man, I would love it. I'm telling you, right in the middle of that, and I'm going to pray God bless you the next time you're just ripping somebody to shreds that you'd feel something crawling up your leg. <laughs> I'm telling you, and it just, we were sitting there at lunch one day and we had this lady there with us and she was so petrified of snakes. We were sitting there talking about snakes. And uh, I just took my shoe off like that underneath the table. I reached across the table just looking around the face and I started, I rubbed her ankle. I want to tell you she about turned the table over. That's what I'm praying for you. Next time you get to gossiping and carrying on and talking to somebody and tearing people up, I'm going to pray you'll feel that on your leg. And the Lord will say, cut that out. And can I pray that for me too? And Jude says, these men are grumblers. They're fault finders. And you remember Korah's rebellion? Well, you get over number 16, and here's what happened with the grumblers. God, listen, God opened up the earth and sucked them down in there. They were gone. I mean, wouldn't it be something sometimes if like one whole section or something of the sanctuary, gone. I'm going to say, what just happened, y'all? That's where the gossips were sitting. So, I mean, that'd be something else, wouldn't it? That'd be crazy. It, listen, murmuring and complaining will waste your time. I, I, came out, I came out of Center Hill. We were doing construction over there, and they had torn the sidewalk up. And so the pastor and I were parking there and some of the other staff because it was dirt. And ladies, you'll be my witness right here. You don't like to get out with your nice shoes and step in dirt. Amen? You know, people say when we built ours, it says, well, if you don't do the parking lot right now, just put gravel 
you can save a lot of money. Women will not get out of the car in their high heels or their pumps and their nice shoes and step on dirt. won't happen. I said, you can't grow the church like that. So we built a parking lot. And so I came out one day. I left church. And there's a note on my window. I love these. I thought, this ought to be good. I pulled it up and I opened it up. And that person proceeded to tell me how selfish I was and how pitiful I was because I was parking by the back door close to the building when other people could park there and how dare I do that because I was on staff and I thought I was better than everybody else. And then I thought, I thought I was being nice by parking in the dirt. Y'all all right? I thought to myself, my goodness. And then I looked at the pastor's car. Well, doggone if he didn't have one on his too. <laughs> and I thought, well, for the first time in my life, I went to Baptist church and I got a ticket on my car. Thought I finally got me one of those. So let me let me give you this word. To swear is wicked, for it takes God's name in vain. To to murmur is likewise wicked, for it takes God's promises in vain. And I'll add this: it disrespects God's benevolent heart. And when we learn that cursing. See, some of you would never, ever use a curse word. I, that would never come out of my mouth. But complaining would. And I want you to know it's the same thing. And so, <laughs> I want to be, I know I'm blessed, so I need to be thankful. And this is a challenge for all of us to be thankful. And sometimes I've just got a rebel lives inside of me. Do y'all have that same rebel? It's called the flesh. And sometimes I'm just unfaithful. I just don't want to do something. And then when that happens, you, you will do things that are immoral. And then sometimes I complain, and the Lord says, Jerry Gray, do you, do, you, do you understand this, boy? Do you know what you have? Do you, have, do you know how good you have it? Did you see what Dallas and his group there, what the kids are meeting in, a dirt floor? And you know what they have on top of their house? They have a tank. They collect rainwater in. Okay. Listen, notice in verse 11, 12, and 13. Here's, here's what I want to finish with. The fulfillment of the ages. You see, Paul says, the fulfillment of the ages has come upon us. What, what does that mean? It means that Jesus could come at any moment. And you know what? You, you want me to tell you how I got saved? I was sitting outside of my friend's house one night. I was like 19, 20 years old. And we were doing things that young boys do. And I was about three or four sheets in the wind. And my uncle had been sharing Jesus with me. And I got a picture in my mind. What if the Lord Jesus returned right now? I got so afraid. I thought, I'm a sober up, and I'd never do this again. And I just got overwhelmed, and I thought, the age has come upon us. I dare not want to be cursing my brother, complaining about something, and then the Lord return. Now, one last word. Paul says, with the temptation, all these temptations, he says, the Lord will make an escape for you. I love this little word. 
It's the, it's the little word ek basis. E-K always refers to E-X in the English, like ex a dust. Ex means out of or exit. You go out the door, the E-X. This is X and basis. Basis comes from the word for base. It's foot. Here's what Paul's saying. When the Lord, when you're tempted to sin or complain or whatever or be rebellious or unthankful, God will always provide a way for your feet to get out of the room. Ek basis. He says flee, escape, get out, go away. And I looked at this yesterday, and to get my point, it took me an extra two hours. I studied all this and read all this just to tell you this one thing. When the children of Israel were sinning, and they were worshiping the calf, notice here, I want to finish this, and I want you to be this person. Paul says in verse number 5, but God was not pleased with, what do you say? Most of them? That means that somebody wasn't involved in that. Who was not involved in that? Well, if you go read and you read and find the story, you read it again, it says that Moses took the elders and the priest a little ways up, and then he said, you stay here. We will go up. Who's the we? Who's the us? Bingo. Joshua? And I believe Caleb. He's not mentioned. He may not have been there. But God was pleased with Moses and Joshua, possibly Caleb, and the elders. Here's what I want you to know. When everybody else is being unfaithful, rebellious, immoral, and complaining, you beat the peer pressure. Would you pray that God would help your pastor do that? I want to be the guy that when everybody else is partying and doing their thing and they rise up and doing stupid stuff, I want to come over here. Can't, yeah, I've gotten in trouble for being in the wrong place. That's my birthmark. I can remember right now the worst whooping I ever got was because I was with people. I didn't do a thing. You were with them. You're getting a whooping. And, man, did I get one. Golly. Just, Mama said, go by the fish market, you're going to smell like, stay out of the fish market, boy. Just, when everybody's doing this, I'm going to get Joshua and Caleb, and I'm going to get over here. Would you step out of the culture and come to Jesus Christ today? Let's stand to our feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, we all have a rebel in us. We have an unthankful spirit, and I am the chief among sinners. Lord, help my heart to be tender. Help my heart to be thankful. Help me to remember that when I get to heaven, everything's going to be mine. I don't need to fight and push and shove for anything. That what comes with Jesus, everything comes with him. And we're so grateful. And I pray that, Lord, you'd bring salvation to your house today. If there's one person in this place this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ, would you help them come to know him? Lord, we've got family members that we're praying for. This altar is open for that. There's folks who've been visiting. 
maybe it's the day you would call them to come and be a part of Woodlake. Well, I pray that they would just come take Pastor by the hand and say, Pastor, we want to join Woodlake. We want to be a part of a, a church family that loves Jesus and people, and we want to do our very best to reach them for the cause of Christ. Maybe someone just needs a word of encouragement today and a quick prayer at the altar. Lord, help us just to seek your face right now. Would you have your way today in this moment in Jesus' name? Amen. Would you come? We won't linger, so come on.